Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we return to the Chiefs Wire roundtable, ranking the top 10 defensive moments of the Chiefs 2019 season. We look back at the complicated history of the Chris Jones contract negotiations. But first, as always, we start off speaking with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman about the latest going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, Charles, so what are your thoughts on the 37th anniversary of the passing of Chiefs great Joe Delaney? It is an absolute pleasure every year to tell the story of Joe Delaney on June 29th, uh, which is known to Chiefs fans as Joe Delaney Day. Um, His story is obviously one of the great stories of, of football and the Kansas City Chiefs. And every year I have someone who's sharing with me that this is the first time that they'd heard that story. Either it's a new Chiefs fan or a fan of another football team. Um, So as I said, it's always a pleasure. And then it's really special on this year, um, you know, 37 years from from when he he sacrificed his life in the attempt to uh, save three drowning children. Um, And he wore the number 37. And the fact that the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, I mean, it felt really right for that monument dedication to happen. And it was really nice to to have something like that to write about. And, and then to hear that the, the monument was ultimately donated by a number of different contributors who were involved with getting it constructed. And then the money that um, Marvin Dearman, who was the police officer who first arrived on scene, the money that he and others had raised... They actually gave it to uh, the Delaney 37 Foundation, which helps teach children how to swim. So that that was really cool. And I mean, it's just really important in a time like now to hear stories like this and to hear about um, someone who's willing to lay down their life to, to sacrifice their life for somebody that they didn't know. That type of thing, it takes true heroism and courage. And uh, it makes me proud that the Kansas City Chiefs always remember Joe. Do you believe the NFLPA's recent message to agents regarding COVID-19 will lead to many players opting out of the season? Yeah, I think it's interesting to, to think about because you, you have leagues like the NBA who they have their, their restart um, that's happening in a bubble in Orlando. And you have some players that are concerned about their own personal health or the health of their family members and they're opting out of the season. Now, the NFL hasn't exactly come out and said that they're going to allow players to opt out of the season based on their own personal health, but they're clearly thinking about it. Um, At least the NFLPA is thinking about it, um, being that they're sending messages to agents and letting them know, hey, your clients um, should know about the different risk factors involved with COVID-19 and complications um, and, and what could cause severe illness. So players that that might have a heart issue or players that are diabetics, um, they're at risk of suffering severe complications uh, due to COVID-19. So those players could potentially see a situation where they're forced to t- tell the NFL and tell their teams it, it might be in my best interest to not play this season. Um, so that's going to be something that's really interesting to follow. I don't know if if a lot of players are going to end up, you know, kind of opting out of the season, what that's going to look like in terms of, of contracts. 
but that's one of the many unanswered questions that that is kind of still out there ahead of training camp and ahead of the start of the season. And what are your thoughts on Chris Jones's cryptic tweet saying that he won't play next season? This is obviously not what fans want to hear as far as it relates to Chris Jones and a potential long-term extension. There's really so much in play right now, though. On one hand, you have the Chiefs who've been claiming for the longest time that they want to do a long-term deal with Jones. That's just been their stance for really as long as it's been an issue. Then you have Jones, who wanted an extension last season, so much to the effect that he held out for a little bit ahead of the season, but eventually he reported, and he played at a very high level all season long and through Super Bowl 54. Now you have this new report that came out a little bit ago saying that the COVID-19 pandemic and the 2021 salary cap is holding up contract negotiations. You see where I'm going with this right now? Jones wanted that contract extension last year, but now he can't get it this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. That that has to be a huge point of contention, huge point of frustration for Jones and his agents. And um, he's really telling the Chiefs, you should have done this last year. So now the threat of sitting out, that seems like a bit, bit of an idle threat. It's basically posturing at this point. And he should do that posturing because we don't even know if the 2020 season's going to happen. So he's really got nothing to lose by saying he won't play. If anything, it forces the Chiefs to kind of go out and look for a trade when maybe they hadn't been doing so before and were just kind of sitting on their hands. But one thing Chiefs fans should be assured of, this is not like the Le'Veon Bell situation, which happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Le'Veon Bell was on his second franchise tag, which meant that the Steelers could not franchise tag him the following season. This is the first franchise tag for Chris Jones, so the Chiefs could actually hypothetically turn around and use the franchise tag on him again in 2021, which would force him to hold out for a second straight season. If they wanted to be petty, they could do that. I really think at the end of the day, it behooves both Jones and the Chiefs, to let cooler heads prevail. He should sign that franchise tag and play for the $16.1 million or whatever it is because he's not really going to make that much more this season, even if he hit free agency at this point, because teams can't even bring players in for workouts. With the uncertainty caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, unless the Chiefs are finding a suitable trade partner willing to sign Jones to a long-term deal it doesn't seem like things are going to get much better for him than that franchise tag amount. What are your thoughts on the NFL shortening the preseason to two games? Yeah, we could be looking at the beginning of the end for the preseason right now. The elimination of the two games, obviously that that's unique. It's something that, that hasn't happened before, but I think it's necessary. I mean, players want more ramp-up time. Coaching staff wants more ramp-up time. Everyone wants to be able to get the practice and stuff in before they're playing these live games. But what's interesting is the fact that the NFLPA hasn't yet signed off on cutting just two preseason games, according to some of these new reports out there. So 
potentially we could see all of the uh, the preseason games go away, um, which I know there are some fans who like preseason games. There are other fans who don't like preseason games. I, I know that they serve their purpose for Kansas City, which is that Andy Reid has a schedule for the starters that he uses with the preseason games, and, and that acts as its own ramp-up time for the players before the regular season. So if there are two preseason games or if there are no preseason games, obviously he's going to have to adjust his strategy to to adapt to that. And I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. Beforehand, it's been, okay, the starters get the first quarter in, in week one. Then in week two, the starters get the first half. Then in week three, the starters get three quarters. Then the final week of the season, he gives it to the backup players who are trying to make the roster and make an impression, maybe not just on the Chiefs, but on other teams out there. So that's going to all change now that if if we have two games or if we have uh, potentially no games. But it's really unique, and I I think no matter what happens, we are looking at the beginning of the end of the preseason as we currently know it. Because if you'll recall, in the uh, new CBA, as soon as the 17-game season start, the NFL has uh, discretion to go and cut preseason games. So they might end up cutting a preseason game. They might end up cutting two. If none of them happen this year and they don't see any drastic changes to injuries or things like that, they might just eliminate the preseason altogether in favor of more training. So it's going to be really unique to see kind of how that happens and what happens with that as things move forward. And lastly, Charles, any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so uh, we kind of kicked the week off with uh, a story about Chiefs right guard Laurent Duverney-Tardif. He was featured in uh, the Sports Network, which is Canada's like ESPN. It's their big um, television network that covers everything sports. Um, he was featured in a little documentary called Frontline. It's like an original feature that was um, on Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and um, his work that he's done this offseason working as an orderly in a long-term care facility. Later in the week, we had actually taken a look at some of the practice squad players who uh, we should keep an eye on come training camp. These are guys who were on the 2019 practice squad, and uh, some of them impressed during the preseason last year. Some of them were uh, mid-year additions. We took a look at three of those guys, and maybe they should be pushing or will be pushing for the 53-man roster this year. We had a look at a a video that was posted by Chiefs wide receiver Mikkel Hardman, or at least it was shared by him, of him catching passes from Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Haskins and Hardman were actually teammates on the U.S. national football team before they left high school and entered college. So it was kind of cool seeing that connection pop up again. And Mikkel Hardman is getting after it this season, guys. He is always working out or going somewhere to work with different wide receiver coach, work with different players. He is trying to soak up all the knowledge and do as much work as possible this offseason. I expect big things from him this year because of that. Finally, uh, just recently, we covered a story about Patrick Mahomes and his foundation supporting the uh, Black College Football Hall of Fame's Road to Equality event. Uh, 
it's basically a, an event that covers um, historically black colleges and universities um, and the players that they produced, some of the great college football players and, and ones that ended up in the NFL. It's going to be hosted by Steve Weish of NFL Network and Charles Davis of CBS Sports. So that should be really cool. It's coming up on July 15th. You can actually RSVP for free, but you are encouraged to make a donation. The donations will actually go to HBCU football programs and also the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So check that out. You can find more about that on ChiefsWire.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I appreciate you guys reading every week. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back, and it's that time again. We are in the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I'm here, as always, with Mitch Carney alongside Talon Graff. Guys, how's it going? It is going wonderful, man. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Doing good, doing good. Now, last week we ranked our top 10 offensive plays of the year, matched it up against what the Chiefs put out there on their website, ranking, you know, 10 through 1 top plays offensively. You know, Mitch, you were you had I think you had the most points last time. Uh, Talon, you know, you, you kind of were close on so many of them. But I think this time around the defense, you guys, you know, I think you guys got the gist of it. And uh, we should see some better numbers this time around. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to come in clutch. I can feel it. <laughs> see, I like that attitude. That's that positivity. <laughs> that's exactly what we need right now. <laughs> I know that's right. All right. So I'm going to start it right off. Okay. Now, I just want to remind everybody, this is based off the list that the Chiefs put out on their website after the season of the top 10 defensive moments of 2019. So, we're going to start off with number 10. And Talon, you went second last time. I'm going to have you go first this time. What is number 10 on the top 10 defensive plays of 2019? All right, man. Well, for me, I went with the, the Traverius Ward interception against the Texans. Uh, in the regular season. Now, to me, that it was a good play. Ward made a great play. I, I believe, if I'm right, it was even kind of a, a one-handed little snag. Um, but at the bottom line, you know, we, we lost that game. So that's why I have that number 10. It was a great play, but didn't lead us to a victory. Okay. Okay, I, I can see that. So what do you, what do you have at uh, number nine? Uh, for me, number nine, I have the Matthew pass breakup against Denver. Again, a, a, it was a cool play. And for me, it kind of stands up because I like the the kind of he, – he had a little extra to it. He had a little little swag, a little attitude to it, the, the, the finality of, like, punching the ball out. And Corlin Sutton's a big, big body, big, strong wide receiver out of uh, SMU. So, that you know, and Matthew is on the smaller end of being a safety. So, that I, I like that. It was kind of that – that nastiness, like, yeah, there you go. Like, that's what we need. That's what we need in that defense, just that mentality of, like, uh-uh. Like, I don't care where we are. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, how how much bigger you, – like, you're not catching this ball. So, to me, I love that coming from Tyron Matthew. His leadership all year was great. Um, and then number eight, um, I had the uh, Brashard Breland 
fumble return for 99 yards against Detroit. Again, um, if that play doesn't happen, the Chiefs probably don't win that game. It was a 34-30 to 30 win for, for the Chiefs. And, um, you know, just a very heads-up um, play by, by Breland and really having his head, you know, in the game and in the moment and really paying attention to what's going on and, um, you know, to pick the ball up and actually take it the full, you know, length of the field and, and score and not stop and wait or look around. And like, he, he knew. He knew that was a fumble, and even if it wasn't, you know, go score if you know, and and, and they'll they'll review it later. But you know, it ended up being a fumble, and and Breland, you know, um, scored the touchdown. It was just a cool moment. It was it was a cool moment, and and led to a Chiefs victory. Um, and then uh, my number seven is the Juan Thornhill pick six. Uh, to me, it kind of stands out because that was the maybe not the moment, but one of the early moments where it was like, all right. You know, this kid has some game. You know, we, we got a little something. You know, we had Tyron Matthew made the play against Denver, and then we got uh, Juan Thornhill kind of stepping up big and, and showing his playmaking ability. So I have that one toward, you know, it's, it, it was a good play. Um, so I have it right there at number seven, kind of, you know, not too high, not too low. And then number six, kind of middle of the road, I went with, the, with uh, Chris Jones um, and uh, the line of scrimmage when he batted the balls against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. That was just – when you have a lineman that can be able to do that, it shows his value. And we all know how valuable Chris Jones is and, and we'd love to have him back and, and stuff like that. But uh, to, for him to make those plays in those moments in such a big game, that really threw off the rhythm of San Francisco. You know, when you, when you can't even get a ball across or, you know, pass the line of scrimmage because you got a big bear mitt, you know, knocking it down that gets in your head. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, that gets, you know, that gets inside the heads of these offensive players. It's like, man, we can't even do anything. We can't even complete a pass like that. That gets in people's heads and that throws off rhythms and coaches get irritated. And, and all of a sudden things kind of start falling apart. So maybe that was, you know, a big part of that fourth quarter comeback. Uh, do you want me to Start into the top five, or do you want me to stop there and kind of we can talk about it? Or how, how would well, you like to do that? How about this? How about we'll we'll take a minute, you know, before you go into your top five, and and I just it, the Juan Thornhill play. I know you were very big on that play, and obviously everything that he meant to the Chiefs last season. What what else about that? You know, just his season overall. Just like just let's just focus on Juan Thornhill. Just his season and how much he's going to mean to the team coming back from the injury. Oh, it's huge. It's huge for Matthew to have that running mate back there. It's it's huge for him to um, to have that experience as a rookie and to to kind of have that confidence. Now, the only thing I'm worried about is obviously the injury and if he can bounce back mentally from that. Yeah. In, in today's world, with the medical you know advances and all that stuff, injuries you know other than like head and neck injuries or you know real serious spine injuries like you know knees and and stuff like that. They're they're so much more capable of repairing that to where it's not gonna you know be an issue moving forward but the hardest part is for an athlete to get over that mentally you know having that those that mentality of play the game not worry about the knees stuff like that so um but yeah Juan Thornhill man I I hope he comes back 100% I hope he's back mentally and physically because I the way he played his rookie year and how important he was to that defense and it, it that that's a that's a big thing to build upon it in your second year, man. That's that's huge. No, I definitely agree. And then uh, you know, I also want to bring up Breland's ninety-nine yard uh, return for a touchdown. The the most interesting thing apart about that whole uh, situation is because everyone thought the play was blown dead. You know, it, it mm-hmm. just happened to just like, oh, okay, he just picked it up and kept running. You didn't hear a whistle. It's funny when you see a play like that happen, 
And uh, I know, Talon, you do, obviously, you do coaching and everything like that. What's the number one thing you always tell uh, players or anybody when it comes to a game? you got to make sure when you hear a whistle, just you, you just keep going regardless, right? Exactly. I mean, you play through the whistle. You, you, you know, you, you go until the, you know the play's over. And, that, and Breland, he, he, did a, he did a great job. Yeah, I just thought, like, it's such a funny play. And when you say, like, you know, great defensive plays, that play almost seems like an accident. <laughs> but it, 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 but it works, right? You know, it, it works when you when you really put it in the uh, grand scheme of things. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can definitely see why that's in your um your bottom five. But now we're getting into your top five, and I'm interested to see where you go with this one. Sure. So my number five, I went with the fourth down stop against New England. Um, just big because because our Achilles heel in 2018 was the defense, obviously, and we were one game away from the Super Bowl, and the New England Patriots ended that season for us, for the Chiefs. And um, to, to kind of have our defense step up in that way is huge, especially against Tom Brady and the Patriots, who have been the class of the AFC, the class of the NFL for, you know, 20 years. Um, so, yeah, for, so for me, that definitely cracks the top five. Just it, I felt like the growth that we saw in, the, in that moment for the defense was – Exponential. Uh, so my number four is the uh, Reggie Ragland scoop and score. Um, for one, it's just cool to see Reggie Ragland on this list after we kind of dogged him so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then have him so high on my list at number four. But it was, you know, it, it, one of the, it looks easy. It looks so easy, a scoop and score. But man, those those balls are hard to like, you know, it, it's hard to, just, they're bouncing around, they're, you know, an odd shape and, you know, you can't just go over there and pick it up. You're, you know, you're, you got to go against your momentum. You, you know, it's hard to keep your feet. So just everything that went into it and the fact that Reggie was, has struggled since being in Kansas City, it was cool to see him have a little glimpse of success in a Chiefs uniform. And, and I, you know, for me, that's why I have that up there so high. Uh, and then three, I have the, the Frank Clark playoff sacks. We talked about how his performance in the playoffs gave, you know, when we went over the defensive grades and stuff and how that kind of made up for his slow start and, and all that. Um, but so, yeah. And, and, and without those performances, who knows where the chief season ended. Uh, but Clark stepped up in a huge way, you know, had a string of sacks uh, that kept the chiefs in the game and, and, and every single one, I believe uh, helped lead to a comeback. So, uh, you know, hats off to Frank Clark on his uh, playoff performances. And then number two, a little dirty Dan action. I have him the the uh, the game clinching interception against the Chargers down in Mexico City. Man, that was that was great. It was uh, if that game doesn't happen, if that play doesn't happen, and, and, and the Chiefs end up losing to the Chargers, we don't get home field advantage. You know the the way it plays out and all that. The road doesn't go through Kansas City. It doesn't go through Arrowhead, and um, so Daniel Sorensen that play that really sealed that game against the Chargers in the really tough tough contest that the Chargers gave the Chiefs and you know I, I think the defense picked off Rivers four times total in that game yeah um, yeah big moment big moment big win that was huge for the entire season and then uh number one has to be I, I don't know how it can't be but Kendall Fuller the Super Bowl interception the one that finally officially sealed the deal uh the Chiefs could just kneel it out from there and you know the monkey is off the back and so for The Chiefs were Super Bowl champions after that Kendall Fuller Super Bowl inter interception. So for me, that is number one. All right, I actually like that. That's a it's a very good list. You know, I'm not going to give you your score yet, 
you know, I was I went through, I matched it up with the actual list, but um, I want to hear Mitch's uh, Mitch's list and see how close it is. Mitch, before you even say your top ten, how close were you to Towns? Just just off glance. Oh, it, it is uh, not even close. <laughs> I believe. Okay, I love it. I love it. I like it. This is what this is what it's all about right here. All right, all right. so so Mitch, what you got at number ten? Let's go. So at number 10, I have the uh, Breland's 99-yard fumble return. Um, I have that at number 10 because, like, it was a great play. It was really, really cool. But, um, you know, whenever I'm ranking defensive plays, like, it didn't really feel like a defensive play. It just kind of felt like Kendall – not Kendall Fuller. Uh, Breland was just smarter than everybody else and just, like, was smart enough just to pick up the ball. Um, I don't – I didn't think it was, like, like, a great defensive play, if that makes sense. Because it like wasn't like he did anything extraordinary to get the stop. He just picked up the ball and ran. Um, so that's my number ten. Um, and then at number nine, I have the Raglan strip fumble recovery for a touchdown. I have that at number nine because it's uh, it was against Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco, as you know, Joe Flacco. <laughs> so uh, I have that. <laughs> I mean, uh, Joe Flacco was probably having one of the, his worst games in his career that game against Kansas City. So. I wouldn't be surprised if any player could have done that. At number eight, um, I have Tarverius Ward's interception versus the Texans. I have this one kind of low to kind of for the same reason as what Talon said. We lost that game. It was still a really great play. It gives me confidence that Ward's going to be good in the future. But uh, we just lost that game, so it's kind of has like a bad taste in my mouth whenever I look back at it. At number seven, I have the uh, Sorensen interception in Mexico City. Um, I, this one's really low compared to what Talon had. Um, I had this one lower. I mean, it was a really good, really good play, really good interception. I know it was really pivotal, but uh, Philip Rivers was just having a bad game and he was throwing a lot of interceptions. I know it came down to the, uh, to the right to the end there, but I just had enough faith that we could get the stop. Um, and number six, I have the one Thornhill pick, pick six against the Raiders. Um, still another good play. It gives me confidence that he's going to be good you know, a good starter for the Chiefs in the future. Another great play. Um, and then, uh, so, uh, do you want to talk about my first five before we go on? I do want to talk about your first five. First, I, I just want to ask, uh, where did this issue with Joe Flacco come from? Man, you were, <laughs> you came out guns blazing with, uh, with Flacco. <laughs> where did well, this come from? He came in hot. Yes, he did. <laughs> I, I've always, this thing against Joe Flacco, I guess, ever since he's been with the Ravens, you know, and when the the, conf- uh, the conversation was about if he was elite or not, I was always just against that. <laughs> okay, that's. I mean, you definitely showed it there. I I, <laughs> I see what you where you're coming from with that. And uh, you also um, mentioned for the uh, the Sorensen um, in- interception, you felt like it wasn't as impactful. I know that Talon had mentioned because it was late in the game and it was a big reason why they uh, we won a uh, home field advantage. So, so your method in um, regards to it was a little different? So, I mean, like, it was impactful. I mean, it was a very big play. It was one of the biggest plays of the season. Just, like, looking back at it, I just, like, I did this a little different than I did my offensive plays. My offensive plays, I was, like, the impacts of the season. This one, I did more of a mix of, like, how cool it was and impact. And just, like, compared to the other ones, this one just ended up ranking number seven. I don't really have a good reason why I have it there. It's just a little lower on my list. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like I said, everyone's just making their list. I love the differences in um, the way you guys went about it. But uh, how about we get into your top five and see where you're going with it? 
So number five, I have the Chiefs hold the Patriots on fourth down. This was like one of my favorite plays of the season because it just showed that like, okay, like our defense has finally somewhat arrived. I mean, our defense is, I don't think it's never going to be like a top five defense or anything like that, but it's like whenever the game comes down to it, they aren't going to let us down. Kind of similar to the uh, Daniel Sorensen play in Mexico City, but against the Patriots, against a team that we've struggled just to beat so many times before, you know, especially when it comes late in the game. We were just able to do it. So I really have that at my number five. Such a great play. Um, And then at my number four, this one I probably have higher up than most people, but I just love this play. It was one of my – it's actually probably my favorite play of the season, like just to watch. It was the uh, Matthew breakup from uh, Lock to Sutton. I just thought that play was so cool to watch. Um, I mean, I played in the secondary when I was like in high school and stuff, and those are just the type of plays that, you know, safeties and cornerbacks dream of making this knocking the ball out of a out of a receiver's hands and uh it was just so cool I mean Matthew kind of just showed that you know he is like our leader in the secondary then like he's the player that we've been looking for since the departure of Eric Berry and then number three I have the Frank Clark's uh big sacks in the playoffs I mean that's an easy one he was just so big in the playoffs you know he definitely earned that contract that we gave him that was a lot of money um and number two I have the Chris Jones multiple pass tips in the Super Bowl. Um, I put this one at number two because it was just such an impactful moment in the season. I mean, it's in the Super Bowl, doesn't get any bigger than that. And he was just able to come up and he just showed that, you know, he is worth that $20 million that he's wanting from the Chiefs. Um, but like, um, also, you know, those pass tips were like near the end of the game. You know, it is like, it couldn't have been bigger for him. And he was just able to show up, you know, and help Chiefs get the, help the Chiefs get the Super Bowl. And then the number one, the same reason why Talon had it, the uh, Kendall Fuller interception, you know, it just clinched the Super Bowl. We just knew that we won it right there. The Chiefs were able to knee it, and it was just such a great ending to the season. Okay, guys, you, you did a great job on both lists, and the uh, the scores are better than last week's. I'm trying to rank the offense. So um, how about this? I'm going to give you guys the final score, then I'm actually going to give you the list. The winner – by a, by a slight margin this time, Talon, you won four to three. Oh, oh, <laughs> don't call it a comeback, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you guys were so good this time. It's funny because it, when you hear the list back, you'll see like you're off by one. And, and it, it, these were such good guesses. And, and let me just start off right now. Once again, this is from the Kansas City Chiefs. This is from their official website on how they rank the top 10 defensive plays. Okay, number 10, Breland's 99-yard fumble return for his touchdown. Mitch, you got that right. Number nine, Matthew breaks up potential touchdown pass to lock, from Locke to Sutton in the snow against Denver. Talon, you got that one. Number eight, Javarius Ward's clutch in-zone interception against Deshaun Watson. Mitch, you got that. Number seven, Juan Thornhill's pick six against Derek Carr and the Raiders. Talon, you got that one. Number six. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you guys were, were going at it. It was really good, man. Uh, number six. Chris Jones' multiple passes tipped at the line of scrimmage during the Super Bowl. Talon, you got that one. All right, now we're getting into the top five here. And this, is, this, is, this was the, the best one, and I, it was hard for me. I'm happy I was on mute just not to say anything. But uh, number six, I mean, I'm sorry, number five, 
Raglan strip fumble recovery against Flacco. And number four, the Chiefs hold the Patriots on fourth down. Talon, you had those flipped. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you were right there. Like, you would have had a good five in a row, I feel like. I'm so close. That should be a gimme. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they let me do that in golf, so can I do it? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I wish you could. I'm watching. I'm like, oh, man. I, you know, you had it. You were right there. Ah, damn it, so, Raglan. Yeah, so Chiefs and Patriots, that was number four. Number three, Sorensen's late-game interception on Rivers in Mexico City. Both of you guys didn't get that one. Number two, Clark Sacks against the Texans, Titans, and 49ers in uh, consecutive playoff weeks. Nobody got that one. I feel like you guys had that, like, number three. You kind yeah, of were, right. in the, you were in the same vicinity. Like, you knew it was definitely in the top five, but, you know, it was, it was a tough one to call. And, of course, number one, you guys nailed it, Kendall Fuller's game-clinching interception in the Super Bowl. So, Talon, you got the slight edge by one point over Mitch. Oh, free throws. Free throws won the game. Time You need to figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty salty right now. It's okay. <laughs> You'll get me back when we do special teams plays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough. Um, you know, <laughs> special teams. They're all McCole Hardman. That's all you got to know. <laughs> but, uh, guys, uh, definitely a great job. And, uh, like I said, it was just a, um, uh, you know, the, the improvement of this defense over just one year. Because uh, could you imagine having this type of list the year prior with all the issues that were going on? I'd rather I not. <laughs> probably, I don't think it's <laughs> be honest. So it's, uh, hey, you know, like I said, it was a, definitely a great job. And um, as always, make sure on the website to comment, leave your thoughts. If you agree with uh, Talon's list, um, list or if you agree with Mitch's um, list, I'm actually going to – I want to put you guys, both of your lists, on the website so people can go back and forth as well. Okay? So be prepared for some criticism. <laughs> <laughs> always. Always. That's, that's how you know you're doing your job in this industry, right? That is exactly how you know. You guys are professionals. This is why they got to know how it goes against the pros. So, um, guys, thank you. And uh, everybody enjoy their uh, 4th of July weekend. You know, so be safe. Have a good time if you can. Go outside. And, yeah, <laughs> until next time, take care. Thank you. Stafford under center. Johnson tries it. The Chiefs circle in behind him and push him back. It will give him forward motion of about a half yard. I don't know. The Chiefs are running the other way with the football. Walt Anderson is letting Brashad Breeland. They're letting Brashad Breeland go all the way for 99 yards and a fumble return for a touchdown defensively. And here comes Walt Anderson's. Rolling on the field. The ball was loose. It is a fumble. Return for a touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Kansas City. Touchdown, Kansas City. A 99 and a half yard fumble return for a touchdown. 12 to nothing, Kansas City. Royce Freeman running back left behind the left tackle. Bulls. Locke will zing it for the near side for Cortland Sutton. And it's pried loose at the very end of the play. Tyron Matthew jars it loose. Receiver Sutton had it in his hands for just a second. And then the Honey Badger yanks it incomplete. Another motion QT to the right side. Watson slapping his hands. He wants the snap. Takes it. Looking left. 
fade pattern near side. It's going to be intercepted. Javarius Ward intercepted in the end zone. Playing the fade perfectly. And the Chiefs get the pick. And the Texans are shut out. Let's go, man. That's how you play. That's, that's what you think you're doing every play. Shotgun this time for Carr. Slant pattern intercepted at the 40-35. Coming to the near side. It's one Thornhill. 10-5. Touchdown. Kansas City. A pick six by the rookie from Virginia. Play action fake Garofalo. Pass is tipped down at the line of scrimmage. It looks like Chris Jones got it with that seven foot, four inch wingspan to throw. Pass is tipped up in the air and almost intercepted. Chris Jones, his second pass broken up. Garofalo, slant pattern, and the pass is broken up and almost picked off. Kendall Fuller almost picked off Garoppolo on a slant that had been working all game long. Now Philip Lindsay back in the lineup while Janovich sprints to the near side, the former Nebraska Cornhusker, to throw his flat up. Again, big pressure, he's hit, the ball's out, the ball is picked up by Raglan, touchdown, Kansas City! The Chiefs get another sack from Hitchens and a pickup by Raglan. The defense picks up the team and gets a defensive score. Fourth down and three, they call it. Takes the snap, Chief Spring Crusher. Left side throw, and it's broken up in the end zone. Broken up in the end zone. A quarter route to Edelman. The Chiefs hold on downs at the five-yard line. Rivers takes the snap at his belt. Frank Clark coming for him. A fade route right side is intercepted. 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 Dirty. Dean Sorensen picks it off. And the Chiefs shut the gate on Phillip Rivers. Four interceptions by Rivers. And the Chiefs get a gigantic pick. Watson takes the snap. Here comes pressure. And Frank Clark takes him down. And the 25-yard line. Frank Clark. Clark the Shark, it's Jaws! Tannehill under pressure, still moving to his right. Frank Clark chasing, knocks him down! Tannehill goes down! Shark-infested waters! The Coast Guard gives the warning, stay out of the water! Because Frank Clark the Shark has just given Kansas City its first trip to the Super Bowl in 50 years! Fourth down and 10 for the 49ers. Chiefs by four. Garoppolo in the pocket. He's being hit. He's being wrapped up. He's being throws the ball away. It'll go as a sack. Frank the Shark Clark. The closer. The closer. Takes the snap. Here comes Suggs on the rush. They throw it deep middle, and the pass will be intercepted. It's intercepted. Kansas City, you've got a champion. Kendall Fuller seals the deal. Tell everybody, Kansas City Chiefs. No distractions. Um, focus on winning the Super Bowl. Um, new defense. I'm ready. I'm excited. Glad to be back. Um, ready to work. What are some things that you did to stay in shape? Um, I worked my tail off. I was doing two a days. Um, you know, just committed to getting in shape and getting a six pack. What have the, the last few months been like for you? Um, it's been it's been okay. Just a lot of hard work. I got to spend a lot of time with my kids, with my family, um, stuff like that. Went to Disney World. It was amazing. Uh, felt like a kid again. Um, and just worked. Did you decide you were gonna arrive at camp on time? Um, I knew from the beginning I was gonna arrive at camp on time. Um, I have Mosaic Life Care and a Special Olympics KC um, that I'm a brand ambassador of, and um, 
it's bigger than me. It's bigger. It's for those kids. You know, um, I'm actually doing a T-shirt drive where uh, a portion of the proceeds are going to the Special Olympics on uh, my IG and Twitter, Stone Cold Jones 95. So make sure y'all go get a, uh, a T-shirt and support. What are you trying to gain by being away from the team throughout the offseason? I mean, um, nothing was gained, nothing, you know, um, it was just me wanting to spend time with my family. I'm back now, I'm focused on winning the Super Bowl, I'm focused on being a dominant player on this defense and uh, enjoying the process. Chris, Chris, tell me about the process, now, bother you, Chris, just the process itself, did it bother you, what you learn from the process? No, um, it's the same thing every year. You go out, you work hard, and you come here and you be ready to play. Um, I actually enjoy the process. I enjoy um, going through the phases of training camp, working my way up through the season and um, developing. But in terms of the contract situation, I mean, what about that part of the project? You learned more, I guess, in the last few months than you had before. Not at all. Just let my agents handle it. That's why I hired those guys for it. Let them handle it. Um, the best I can do is come out here and focus on getting better every day. Chris, you're going to play the season for the Chiefs, but do you see a long-term future for yourself here? I mean, of course. Um, I'd love to spend the rest of my career here. Um, I'm quite sure we'll work it out. I don't worry about that. I worry about learning the new schemes and the plays on this defense. I mean, it's all love. It's always love in this building, especially with the fans. We got the best fans in, uh, in the NFL, especially our teammates. We're like a brotherhood. We're very close. And uh, getting to meet the new guys on the defense, Tyran, um, I respect that guy like no other, the Honey Badger, 5-5, uh, Frank. You know, those are my guys, man. And uh, we come together as a brotherhood. Whatever's going on on the outside, we ignore it. We focus on what we can control right here. You've you had, you had a couple of practices so far. Um, talk about how good this defense can be. Um, it's different. It's very different, but it's a good difference. Um, I feel like the sky's the ceiling for us. We got a lot of depth. We got a lot of guys that can make plays. We got a lot of hidden talent that people don't know about that's going to be very special once they get the opportunity. So um, we just got to continue to build on it every day, come, come out and build on that. And the sky's the limit for this defense. I had to actually four or five. It don't even matter. It don't even matter. We won the game um, without a doubt in my mind. I told Coach Reed, we're not leaving this place unless we have a ring. I'm not getting back on that bus unless we have a ring. And no doubt in my mind that we was going to win it. No doubt in my mind. We went down 10, and, you know, um, the game got a little up, shifty up and down. But without a doubt in my mind, we got MV Pat on that side of the ball. We got the uh, fastest, the best receiver court in the league. And our defense, stagnation, baby. They're going to make a movie about this. Yeah, I told him before the game. Listen, get used to the feeling of not having a ring, because this is gonna be your last time not having a ring. So when you guys, in the, when you're down ten, you guys have been able to come back from deficits. What was the feeling on the sideline there in the second half? Listen, man, we can be down 24 points and give us a quarter. Pat Mahomes and that receiver core gonna make it happen. And defense, we gonna step up, make a few stops. To get up, put them in a position to make it happen. Hey, what, listen, everybody in the world doubted us. Um, you know, we had Skip Bayless, you know, talking about uh, they've been Pat Mahomes, the 49ers. We don't want to hear that. We don't need no bandwagon because we shocked the world today. And not only are we going to do it this year, next year we coming back. We coming back for a repeat. He ain't got to. He ain't got to. Long as he got this defense, that's what matters. When the defense playing lights out, defense step up and make a stop. That's all Pat need. He gonna make something happen. Their receiver core gonna make something happen. We put them in position to make a play, and guess what? They is sailed. Chris, you couldn't get sacks if you got two.
Listen, man, I don't listen. You at the point of the season where sacks really don't count and they don't matter. As long as you affect the game in any type of way, that what matters. As long as you can um, affect the game to put your team in a position to go out there and make a stop, that's what matters. Sacks, tackles, none of that matters. Yeah, I mean, we've had, um, you know, a lot of discussion um, with Chris and, and the Cats brothers, and we continue to have that. Um, you know, got a lot of time. Certainly these are um, unique. Uh, it's a unique environment in which we're working with, and we're able to kind of navigate the free agency period and, and retain some guys. And we're going to work through the draft, and, and we're going to continue dialogue. But, um, you know, we um, we know how talented Chris is. I think the franchise tag speaks for it. And um, we also have a lot of time. I mean, I, I think the deadline to get a deal done is July 15th. So there's a lot of time to continue those um, uh, continue the dialogue and, and, and to work on, on something um, something with Chris, but, you know, we, we certainly, um, are going to work to maintain him, um, not just for next year, but for the future. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.